You must have had your nap today. <laughs> He's honorary this afternoon. <laughs> we praise the O God for the Son of the Love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. spirit of love who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah thine glory. Hallelujah amen. Hallelujah thine glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain who has borne Where's that one?
I'll get it to you as soon as she comes in. I'll... Um, and if not, we can move it to the following Sunday. evening. Missing a few, but that's okay. Well, two thirds. <laughs> oh, we just roll with it, don't we? Well, any prayer requests this evening? 
not. We'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for many blessings. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds as we look into your word this evening, Lord, that we would see and observe the words that you would have us to, that we might seek to increase our service to you. We ask that you be with those of our number that are missing, Lord, whether they're spiritually, physically, mentally ill, Lord, or whatever reason they're unable to be with us, Lord. We pray that you would just or continue to help us to grow spiritually and Lord and uh, that you would encourage each one of us Lord and that we would find strength in you or we ask all these things in your son's name in Christ's name we ask amen all right this evening we'll be back in the book of second Corinthians we're just about to the end of this particular book here. This morning we covered on our Sunday morning service, we covered the first half and um, via sermon. And this afternoon we'll cover the last half via Bible study. So um, we might be finished. We might finish this evening. We might not. So uh, you can be thinking about where we want to go after this. Um, we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start in verse 14. Uh, I think we can read here. There's 21 verses to the end of the chapter. That's about what, eight, nine verses. Maybe I'm over undercalculating there. You can't count them from Arkansas, y'all. So <laughs> we'll start out there in verse 14. I'll read down through verse 16. Uh, chapter 12, verse uh, starting in verse 14. It says, Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for their parents, but the parents for their children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though it, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But be that as it may, I, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. The so Tony, if you'll read 17 through verse 19. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desire Titus, and with him I sent a brother. To Titus make a gain of you. Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Again, thank ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things dearly beloved for your edifying. Joe, if you'll read 20 and 21. For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. Let, lest there be debates, envying, strife, well, wrath, strife, backbitings, whisperings, swollen turmoils, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already, and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. 
So here we have Paul beginning uh, at the end of, towards the end of this letter. He says, "I'm I'm now for a third time. I'm ready to come to you." Well, it kind of seems to indicate that Paul, of course, Paul visited him at least three times. So he says, "I'm ready to come to you." He says, "But he says I don't plan to be a burden to you." He says, um, "He says, but I do not seek what's your uh, seek yours, but you." He's talking about he's not coming to them to ask of anything, but he comes to seek just to just to spend time with them. He goes on, he says, for the children ought to lot to lay up for their parents, but the parents for their children. What do you think he suppose he's saying there? Well, Paul kind of felt like the church there was his were, were like his children. He wrote to them to encourage them, to strengthen them, also to discipline them throughout each one of the uh, endeavors that we see here in these epistles. So it wasn't that he wrote these letters for his own gain, he wrote them because he was attached to them. He loved them as, as we should. So he's, as we're directed to love one another, this was Paul. what Paul was demonstrating here. He says, for, all the, for children ought not to lay up for their parents, but parents for their children. What do you think he's saying? He's like, well, I ought to lay up, lay up for your children. He's saying, I, I ought to put these things down so that you ought to have something, not that the other way around that you provide for me. We, not typical to American society as a whole now, but um, in most cultures, uh, parents would leave an inheritance for their children. Uh, now, most most of all, we don't see that because of the times that have changed and the way things happen in life. Don't leave much of anything for their kids, right? But the manner of life was, in the Old Testament teachings in Ford, was that the parents labored for their children and had left something for them to help carry them over through their life as well. Whether it be money to, to, to help provide for them in some way or whether it be um, things that were keepsakes or memorabilia. I know my grandmother, when she passed away, she left things for her children and for her grandchildren. And it wasn't money per se, but it was things that were more precious than money memories and uh, whether it was an afghan or um, a tabletop dolly that she made for us and stored for us as we got married and things like that and there are a few of our my cousins that weren't married yet but she had already made them wedding gifts that was her her keepsake was that she made them a doily a tabletop dolly when they got married so each one of the elder grandchildren myself included received a a, a nice tabletop dolly was my was what my grandmother wanted to pass on to me so uh, the same thing here, Paul's demonstrating, and spiritually speaking, he wanted to leave something for them uh, to do. It wasn't that they wanted, wanted to inconvenience them to provide for him. Which we know Paul labored and provided for himself, and sometimes he did have a need, like we talked about this morning, where the church is provided for him. We see a number of those accounts in Acts. <clears throat> So he says, and I am very glad, uh, gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. What do you suppose he was saying there? He said, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Well, it seems like maybe, maybe like a, as a parent does, he gets, gets their feelings hurt. But I kind of tend to think that maybe Paul had a sense of humor in this, but just like our parents, sometimes when they would discipline us as kids, sometimes it would... The, the latter was on the, the parents had the better end of the deal. 
Uh, I'm, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Bear with me just a moment. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I have suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So again, here you have an epistle written to Timothy, typically called the pastoral epistle. Um, but one of the things you see here is Paul writing, he says, for things I suffer, and I suffer trouble as evildoer, even as to the point of chains. We've read this over in the account in Acts this morning about Paul being placed into chains. Why, why was he placed in chains? He was just trying to preach the gospel of Christ. It was for the sake of those to whom he preached and to the brotherhood. That was the point. He says, "It's I suffer these things for for in doing so for you, for the sake of the elect, that they can have salvation." So it was the same the same thought that Paul had over here in Second Corinthians. He was talking about whom these the church at Corinth. They were like his children. So he, to the point of even being placed in chains, he felt the same way for them. <clears throat> Any questions or comments on what we've covered so far? So, moving on there, down into verse 16, he says, Be that as it may, I, be not, uh, I, would, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Did I take advantage of you by anything of those whom I have sent to you? I urged Timothy and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not... Walk in the same steps. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God and Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. So, what do you think? What do you think he meant by that? He said, "I didn't. That I caught you by. I caught you by cunning." He's asking him a question. He says, did I take advantage of you? Did, did Titus and sent our brother with him? Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we walk? Did we not walk in the same spirit? He's like, we didn't take advantage of you. He said, that's not the reason why we come to you. We, we have a love and a concern for you. <clears throat> Paul had the, the same integrity and care for the church at Corinth that he did for his other brethren that he went to. He says, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, backbiting, whispers, conceits, and tumults, lest when I come to you again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and not repented of the uncleanliness, fornication, lewdness, which 
they have practiced. He's saying, I've, I've labored for you. I've done this point, so I don't want to come back and see you involved in these things. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians over there uh, many great things about concerning their walk with the Lord, didn't he? Talked about, again, we've talked about this number of times, divisions, wrath, the things that they've, the, the contentions in amongst their numbers that they, that they had struggled with, um, lawsuits. Those things were discouraged amongst the church. And Paul was concerned that if he come back that he would not find them doing the same things with which he had discussed in the earlier epistle. He says, if one devours you and one takes from you, if he exalts himself and one strikes you on the face, to our shame I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone else is bold, I will speak foolishly, and I am bold also. You know, he mentioned, we've mentioned over there, I think it was last week in Acts, that Paul talked about, um, what was it? He said, after I leave or I depart from you, there'll be grievous wolves that come in seeking to devour you. What was the point there? He says, after I leave, there are going to be problems and things of people that come in to try to teach you other doctrine and consume you. But that wasn't the, the, the intention. He wanted them to be aware of these things so that they could avoid that hardship and not be led away by other doctrine or back out into the world. Y'all are awful quiet tonight. Any other questions or comments on these verses? Well, I was thinking of one thing that at that time the church was young. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, I don't know if it's 10 or 20 years he's talking about here, but uh, not too many years. He hadn't spent a lot of time, I've been able to spend as much time with him, he, other than just, you know, yeah. short well, periods of time well, there. Other than other than the gospel that the uh, the teachings of Jesus and the Old yeah. Testament, that's all they had. They didn't have, like you said, the books that oh. you and I have. As a matter of fact, when he wrote these letters, that's why they were circulated. So that they could have a part of the teaching too. So they weren't just read in the church at Corinth. They were read abroad. So they were passed around to these other churches. Or copied down and then sent along. Right. So it was all the more pertinent and, and, and needed for him to write these epistles to them. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the churches wasn't really established. Which is exactly why Paul, uh, the, the Paul, he talks about being a, an apostle out of due season. Lord knew what he was doing. He, Paul had the, he had the personality and he had the drive, and he had the, the zeal for better is better word for that, to go and do this and the energy to go and do and invest this time, and to send. And of course, Paul had brethren that went with him that were strong in the word and he would send them out well that's why you know we're reading the acts over there that he sent out some to go here he sent out titus and timotheus to go and uh minister to the churches wherever he had sent on each account we had sent them so he sent them as representatives to teach those things you see that also in the account that we read over there i think it was in chapter 18 and 19 
and Acts, same thing. They had, there was some teaching that was going on that was incorrect. Of course, they said, well, they're teaching something different. Well, they recalled them all to Jerusalem, didn't they? They held a council. They had discussion. The church, the council there decided, well, this is, this is the correct teaching. So they sent a representative with Paul and uh, I think it was Barnabas, sent him back up there and said, gave, a, gave an account. And they said, this is the account that the, church, that the council held down there in Jerusalem was that this is good teaching. <laughs> and then Paul and them were able to give an account there as well. Matter of fact, let's look back over there. I think it's good for us to review that. been before that but let's see here that's kind of early account there ah, it was over in chapter 15 of Acts Verse 6 there, it says, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been such a dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that while a good while ago, God chose among us, and that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word and of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged, us, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore... Why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers or we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring the many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, Jesus said, and said unto them, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has now declared how God at the first visited to, visited to the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agreed, prophets agreed, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will build a tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and will rebuild its ruins. And I will set it up and so that the rest of mankind may, uh, may seek the Lord even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity and all his works, therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, for things strangled, and from blood. For Moses had said throughout many generations that those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues in every Sabbath. And then it pleased the elders and the apostles and the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch and with Paul and Barnabas, namely. Judas was who also named Bersabbas, 
and Silas leading men among the brethren. And they wrote the letter by them, the apostles and the elders and the brethren, to the brethren who were at the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard from some of you who have went out from us and have troubled you with words and settling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law. To whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, and who also will report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden, no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstaining from things offered to idols and from the blood, from things strangled and from sexual immorality, if you could keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So what was it that they struggled with there? He he wrote concerning the Gentiles being admitted to the work. Also of what? Circumcision. He says, some of you went out from us having troubles. Uh, were troublesome words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. So he's telling them here, you don't have to observe that. That's been fulfilled. But also he said the same things. He told the Gentiles, don't participate in sexual immorality. Don't participate in these things that have been sacrificed for models. Blood of strangled things. He says, keep those from yourself. That's the t- that's what the council decided. So they wrote this letter back to to say we we agree with these teachings. How often have we heard that in modern time, <laughs> where they agree and they send a letter? Hey, we agree with these guys. Let's let let them go. <laughs> you guys don't go back into bondage there. So these were the same brethren that out there in Asia Minor and. Greece there, that he wrote the same thing, commanding them to, that they observe the teachings of the Lord and they be concerned with one another. That was the reason why Paul broke this part of the letter to them. He says, I don't want to come back and see you taking taking part of these things that are not, that are not manifest that we, we haven't talked about or that we've warned you about. Any questions before we go into chapter 13? Let's see here. Bear with me just a second. I'm just writing this down so I remember where we went. We'll start chapter 13 here. Uh, Start there in verse 1. There's 14 verses, so we can read about four apiece. I'll start us off there. uh, Joe, you want to read read verses 1 through 4? This is the third time I have come to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses 
shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present. The second time, and being absent, now I write unto them which hitherto forth have sinned, and to all others, that if I come again, I will not spare. And since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you words is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, and he lived by the power of God. For, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Okay. Tony, we read 5 through uh, 9. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be uh, reprobates. But I trust that ye shall. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do hear, that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when. For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong, and this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore I wrote these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, according to the authority which the Lord has given me, for edification and not for destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete and be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and of God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the saints greet you, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. So here you see in this last particular uh, chapter here, in Second Corinthians, he says there, this will be the third time I'm coming to you. He, so he's He's reestablishing what he said in the beginning of chapter two, that chapter fourteen or chapter twelve, verse fourteen rather. He says, third time I'm coming to you." He says, and he uses the same. He says, "By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established." We know, according to Scripture, it talks about over in uh, over in the Gospels about what and the two or three witnesses there. Is where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be. Well, it was established a, a, a witness there before them. He says, I, by the mouth of these two or three witnesses, of course, he sent Timothy and he sent Titus to him. He sent, you know, of course, Barnabas was there and he was too. So there was some witness there regarding the things that had been spoken and taught and the things he had wrote to him. He says, I've told you before. And foretell as I were the present the second time and now being absent. I write you these things, write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest. If I come again, I will not spare. He said, all right, I wrote these things before. I wrote them again. And he says, what? He says, being away from you, I wrote these things. Those who sinned before. Well, we know the account in 1 Corinthians talks about several things that was going on there. 
I don't feel like we have to speak those again because it's kind of been established in our study that there was a great number of things that the church at Corinth was struggling with. They were young in the faith, and as, as Joe mentioned earlier, that they had a great things that they were trying to, to learn and to overcome in the Lord. So he says there, he says, I, I will come again and I will not spare. He says, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you. Seems that through the second Corinthians that Paul, of course, we read that in the account of Acts, that some question Paul's authority. And Paul here, it seems time and time again, he's having to reassert his authority in Christ. It's Paul had a work to do as an apostle of Christ. He had the authority from the Lord to do these things. He had to deal with people coming in behind him and teaching these grievous things like these wolves we discussed earlier. They weren't physically wolves, but they were men who sought to destroy what Paul had already laid down in Christ. So here he's telling him, look, this is not going to be of any accord here. He says, I, I'm going to come to you. He says, you've sinned before. He says, I'm coming to you again. He says, you seek proof of Christ. He says, who is, in, uh, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you? He's like, you have the same abilities. He says, you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, but he says, he's in you. <laughs> He says, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. How does Christ live? He lives in us, doesn't he? He should. If we're seeking, seeking the Lord, seeking, seeking the guidance of the Spirit, Christ should live in us. How else can we I don't know, shine forth the light into the world? I mean, we talked a little bit about this morning about the light that shines forth from us. That light is from, from the Lord. So Paul's kind of telling me, he's like, look, you've got, you've got this, this same opportunity here. He says, for we are, are also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Well, he's, he's not speaking in riddles there. We talked this morning about the grace. What he said there, my grace is sufficient for you and for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Wouldn't make sense for him to say something completely different here, would it? He's just talking continually about the same thing. We are weak in him, but he shall live with, uh, we shall live with him by power of God toward you. So, in our weakness, in this moment when we're weak, then the Lord, we look to the Lord for our strength, don't we? Paul was trying to encourage them here. He says in verse 5, Examine yourselves as to whether you were in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? He says they're questioning these things, questioning the authority of Paul, but Paul says here, look in yourselves. Test your trust there. Are you trusting in the Lord? Or are you trusting in something else? He says, do you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Question mark. 
unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So we talk about examining ourselves according to the scriptures. Of course, we know at this time they didn't have the scriptures like we did. So what did they go off of? The teachings of Paul, the accounts of Jesus they'd heard by word of mouth. We know a lot of the people at this particular time didn't read and write. You know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. They didn't, they didn't have those things commonly as we do today. So they were a lot heavily on the word of mouth. says now he says but i trust that you will know that we are not disqualified ah, by examining yourselves according to scripture you have the same opportunity you have the same thing given to you christ working in you that's why he keeps telling them don't don't go back to the ways that you had before They say ignorance is bliss. Right. <laughs> Sometimes. And that's why you tell them to be honest. You know, be honest with yourself. You know, if you're doing it secretive, you're doing it. That's what they were doing in Kentucky. The preachers were around secretly giving all the young people pamphlets and, you know, trying to stuff. And then when he's asked directly about it, he denied it. But then later he said, yeah, but so if it's done sneakily, you know, it's not a spirit. You know, it's not a God. You we know, have to do things by cloak and dagger. It's not. Right. You know, uh, if you can't do it out in the open in front of everyone, then it's. Uh, Probably not a thought. That's exactly right. Lord doesn't operate that way, does he? No. Certainly doesn't. So Paul was trying to encourage him here. He's like, hey, <laughs> you need to you need to take care and, and look and look at these things and look at these teachings that we've taught you so far and, and compare them. They make sense. Examine yourselves. I like that you said that, Brother Tony. That that puts a lot into perspective. I, that was my understanding too. He goes on there and he says, uh, Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear but approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. He says, What? Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Don't do these things which are which I which I've which we've labeled out that are evil. He says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. There's a, there's a quote from a movie that I like, and I've quoted this quite often. It's from Jurassic Park. And uh, the guy's name is uh, Jeff Goldblum, who played the actor. And he says, life finds a way. There's truth to that statement. It's kind of what, this is exactly what Paul was saying here. He says, says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Why do you say that? The truth is going to invalidate what's false, isn't it? So we can do, but, but for the truth. Because you can't stand against it. He says, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you were made to be complete.
Paul there was, he talked about his infirmities, his weaknesses. This is what, what we talked about earlier. In Christ, Christ provides our strength in our moment of weakness. Why? Well, we look to him to guide us out of these things, don't we? When we are weak, you are strong. In this we also pray that you will be made complete. He's not talking about perfect in the sense of that we're without flaw, but we're made complete in Christ. Christ completes us. We talk about, when, when we're t- referring to marriage, we talk about finding someone that completes us. It doesn't mean that we're talking about being perfect. It means we're talking about somebody that complements us, that, that helps us to be better, right? It's the same way with our service to the Lord. We come to him incomplete, don't we? But we seek for Jesus to make us complete in him. Not the other way around. We don't come to make Jesus complete, do we? we there's no way we could. He says, Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness. It's like I write these things to you while I'm not here. He says, Lest I'm sharpness, I'm, I'm bold to you. This is according to the authority which the Lord has given to me for edification and not for destruction. He's saying, I write these things to lift you up and to make you, to help you be better. I'm not doing it to destroy you or destroy your witness, but he says, I'm writing to, to, to encourage you. And then the farewell parting, he says, finally, brethren, farewell, be complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. The encouragement there was for them to be made complete in Christ. For them to seek the Lord's wisdom and guidance. He says also, he says, be comforted. Well, the Lord provides our only comfort, doesn't he? He provides us with the peace that we need. Through one another, through encouraging of one another. It's far harder to encourage somebody when you're not here, isn't it? You you can't you can't encourage somebody as well. I mean, a phone call is is a good thing. We have technology this day and age, and we can call somebody and encourage them. But it's just not the same as physically being present in someone's life. Why do you think Paul spoke about it being important for us to come together and to? to fellowship one with another and spend time together because the church can't be complete if there's no one here. That's all the, all the reason we need to be together as much as possible and as often. This world is cruel. Paul's encouragement here is, I'm, I'm absent from you, but I'm writing you this because I want to encourage you. But he says, if I was there, it might be a little, it seems like he was saying that, that it might be a little painful. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss and all the saints greet you to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The favor of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. The things that we should have for one another as the Lord has for us. And he says communion with the Holy Spirit. Coming together with the Holy Spirit. It's hard to end this letter. I've, I've kind of enjoyed studying through this and, and reading through it and the messages and things that 
come out of this. It's going to be hard for me to leave this book behind. <laughs> it's there, but but I've kind of enjoyed this. I don't know about y'all, but I have. So that's all we have this evening. And guess what? We're about four, three, four minutes to the hour. So we're right on, right on target. Any guesses on where you want to go next? Do, just keep on going into Galatians? All right. That's right. Well, let's keep on going through this and we'll, we'll go on into Galatians. We'll start there next, next Sunday. And got to comment on that 12th verse. A 12th verse? Greet one another with a holy kiss. What's a holy kiss? What's a holy kiss? It's the proper affection that we show for one another. I don't think per se it's a you know a smooch on the cheek like you would yeah. your wife, but it's it's greet with a holy kiss. You, you see this I always the movies depict it like the French kiss, you know, they go where they kiss on each cheek. I'm not talking about French kiss, but where you kiss on each cheek and you you have a embrace. To me, that's what a holy kiss is. It's it's a sincere love and show of affection to one to another. Right. Yeah, I think my, my footnotes there says appropriate affection with a holy kiss. So this is a, it's an expression or practice that will vary from culture to culture. <laughs> We have the least amount of affection, I think. I I watched. I I don't know if you watched this, and before when we really closed, but um, Japanese culture, they bow to one another out of respect. French culture, they embrace and they kiss 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 each other on the cheeks. Um, let's see here. Um, and most culture, you see an embrace. You see some kind of embrace. In America, you see a handshake, and occasionally a hug. Or a kiss. Um, we are not a, and and in terms of a culture, we are not very uh, um, emotionally attached, are we? We're very disconnected from emotion and and from uh, from embrace, like most other cultures are. But thankfully, the Lord shows us a bit a bit differently to be away. I I see that with with the Lord's churches, the culture is different. Any questions or comments or parting shots this evening? If not, then we'll stand to be dismissed. Thank you for your kind attention.